Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. Are you getting together with your leadership team in the fall to plan your strategic planning? Be sure to give us a call. We'll be happy to chat with you, share with you our process for aligned strategy development, and see if we're a good fit to facilitate your meeting and help you execute and implement your strategic plan. So uh, thank you for joining us again on the podcast. Today we have a special episode where one of our analysts, Grace Liu, is interviewing Rob Atwell, who's the COO of Care Team Technologies. He shares a little bit about his startup story, what he's gone through um, to get to where he is right now in his organization, moving from one organization to another as a spinoff, and then having to go through a whole new process of creating a team, finding great talent, and creating a whole new culture uh, starting from another organization before. So I'm really excited to share with you. This is Grace's first podcast. I think she crushed it, and I'm really excited Um, to share this podcast with you. So enjoy the podcast with Rob Atwell and Grace Liu, and we'll chat with you very soon. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Grace, and I'm an analyst at SME Strategy. And today I'm here with Rob Atwell, who is the CEO of Care Team Technologies and also sits on a number of boards. Hi, Rob. How are you doing today? Great. Nice to speak to you, Grace. Awesome. It's great to hear you and come to this podcast today. And before we get started, can you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about both Care Team and also what you do in the company? So um, Care Team is a uh, health, uh, digital health platform for um, uh, built for health care uh, systems that empowers their patients to get uh, person-centered care. So we, uh, we provide a way that they can get their discharge plan and all of the information that they need to look for them to care for themselves uh, at any stage in their patient journey. So um, the um, uh, our customers are hospitals, but they're also um, there are also patients, and then their entire family caregiver team. Awesome! And what do you do in the company? So I'm uh, I'm one of the co-founders. I'm actually COO, and um, and uh, but I'm involved. Uh, I sort of take the COO and CFO roles, um, but uh, I do a lot of things that uh, in, that are externally facing as well. So um, uh, it's almost like a almost like a co-CEO kind of role. Mm-hmm. And how I found you was through LinkedIn, and um, the company has been around for nine months. Is that right? Yeah, we're we're a spinoff of another company called My Best Helper. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the process of how you got started? Mm-hmm. So um, Care Team was uh, so we uh, my co-founder and I started another company called My Best Helper, which is a care locator service for families. So it's kind of like a dating site for families and caregivers. So um, it has uh, about you know fifty thousand plus users and it's uh, across Canada and helps people to find babysitters, nannies and so on. And while we're building, doing that, we wanted to find a way to create, be more relevant to our, um, to our users by sort of giving them some tools to coordinate their, you know, daily activities and the groups and people around them. And so we, we created something uh, that was like a, a care coordination platform, kind of like a team snap for families, if you, you know, if you will, but the, um, so, but once we, you know, you know, we launched it, we realized that there were bigger opportunities. We started to tell people about it and, and we thought that, you know, what we wanted to do with that technology was to make money, obviously, and to be, and to get spread. And so, you know, one of the ways that we uh, 
Right. And so what we're looking for is we're looking for more of an economic customer than a family. Like, so families, you know, were paying us subscriptions for the, the My Best Helper solution, and they still do. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, this care coordination tool wasn't really something that we, we thought we could monetize easily. So we started to look for uh, enterprise customers and sort of see where we could do it. And we, we looked at the, so we spent about eight months looking around um, uh, the health IT space. We looked at cities, we looked at communities and so on, just to see where people needed something, the kind of functionality we had. And uh, we just realized that the entire discharge management uh, environment and process is really, really crappy. And so, uh, and uh, everybody we spoke to said, yes, we need this. And so, we, um, you know, we, uh, so we started to pitch the idea and so on, and we, you know, people wanted to get involved, give us money, <laughs> you know, invest in the company, um, you know, they wanted demos before we built anything. So anyway, we, um, so we formed some, we got some advisors um, to help us with it. We tested our idea. We, we did some pitching before we built anything. And, um, as soon as we sort of were really confident that there was a real market and that there were and that and that the com competitive landscape was understood, we started to build uh, uh, the product. So we've been about eight months from there, and now we have we've sold around uh, five thousand care plans, and we're now um, we're now uh, you know, we've got a couple of uh, of health authorities using it in Canada, and we're starting to spread to the U.S. and the U.K. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you really found a need where you are very relevant to the users that you want to target. And then you use that need and also the goals to make money and spread your service around in order to make the decision to find enterprise customers and really dig into something that the entire industry needs. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we started, I mean, the most important thing for us was just to, to really validate and, and understand uh, the customers and, and what their needs were. Mm -hmm. um, and it also had to, the other thing is that we define our, uh, we define our kind of sandbox or the, the, the place that we work as solving the stress of the modern family. So we, everything that we done has to sort of fit that mission because that's how we see that we're different and, and the kinds of problems we want to solve. So for example, we didn't want to solve things for, um, we didn't want to solve uh, problems for physicians. So physicians use care coordination software and services and so on. And, you know, there's a market there, but that's not what we wanted to do. So even though hospitals are our customers we are the way that we built our product is what it does it solves a problem for families so when families need to care for their for their loved ones uh following an acute event or an illness or if they're just frail elderly living at home everything we're doing fits with our sort of overall vision and the the, the space that we want to play in and so we've had to say no to certain opportunities because we're like no that does not fit with our mission so, um, you know, so we've had, you know, different, different people say to us, well, can you build this for us based on, on what care team does? And we've said, no, I'm sorry, we don't. Cause it's, it's not solving the stress of the modern family. I think that's a key to, to strategy. It's not just what you, what you decide to do, but it's when you say no. Right. So because you have the vision of solving problems for the modern family, you can then prioritize what decisions are most important to you and also what kind of customers and everything you want. And you feel like that has been very effective in getting started as well. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's foundational. Mm-hmm. And also just more on the culture, the culture, team culture piece. So um, you have just been getting started. How do you find the right people and promote a good culture within your team to make sure you are ready to continue growing and expanding the business? I, I think that, you know, I think in terms of the team and culture, uh, and, you know, and, and the alignment of culture and strategy, I think the most important thing is is to start by selecting people who share the values, attitudes, and align the culture that you want uh, based on the mission of the company. So, you know, we found people that have uh, an interest in our domain. We've found people that have obviously have skill sets and so on that are needed for what needed for the roles that we have in the company. But, you know, what we needed was people that sort of shared our vision our, our, and were a fit with, with the culture and with the people in the company. So, um, so we do, we do a lot of work on screening early on just to understand the fit. Obviously we do testing and, and reference checks and all the other sort of things that you would expect in a selection process. But, you know, really like having meeting with people several times is really a, a key uh, figuring out who they are and whether they, they sort of really can enroll in what we're doing. So then the next thing is we, we enroll people in the culture of the company, explain it, you know, we explain it to them multiple times, uh, tell them about our values, our expectations, what we are and what we're not. We reinforce that constantly. We check in for values and make sure that we catch people exhibiting the values and, and reinforce that. And we also, you know, if, you know, if people are not exhibiting the, the values, it's, you know, then, you know, we talk about it and we, and we flag it right away. And, you know, the thing is that what we've always found is that, you know, it's, you know, one of the most important things is to, uh, is to, uh, you know, have, get rid of people who are not, um, um, that don't fit with the strategy and the culture and so on when, when don't perform up to the sort of level of the team. If you're, you know, if your culture is performance, you've got to demonstrate performance and you can't tolerate when people don't perform so um i think that that's uh that's a key it's game you know it's a jim collins you know good to great uh thing you know get the right people on the bus and get the wrong people off the bus and and it's usually good for everybody so you know do it in a good way in a nice way make sure that people are, are and you know leave on good terms and that they find the next thing we help them with that thing if if that ever happens but um, mm-hmm. it's definitely about the selection process, both in terms of finding the right people and getting rid of the wrong people. Yeah. And that's especially important as you are um, still starting off and growing. How do you think your culture or people or processes will change after you continue to grow bigger and scale? Well, I think that the, you know, as you get bigger, I think communi- the need for communication gets more and more important because you have to constantly sort of find ways to touch people and uh, in terms of culture and strategy and so on. So obviously what happens is you have to become more structured. You have to get more. You have to, uh, you have to, uh, um, and you have to structure your communication and you have to sort of keep that communication uh, going forward. So I think that that's, you know, it's it's always a challenge with companies, but I think that as long as as long as you sort of keep bringing people on and keep reinforcing the culture and having people live and breathe the culture, and you communicate it both internally and externally, it keeps reinforcing that sort of element. Hmm. 
And what kind of advice would you give for listeners who are trying to lead different teams while also trying to manage a strategy? Well, I mean, I think that the, you know, our approach to this is that we, um, we integrate all the people in the company as much as possible. So we have, we have a daily, uh, you know, scrum strategy and, you know, sort of agile, uh, strategies. We, we, the company meets, uh, on a weekly basis face to face. So integrating people, including them, having an open and transparent sort of approach to things, uh, we find is, is a way to, you know, make sure that, you know, the, you know, everybody in the company knows what other people are doing and they're able to see the, the contributions of the other, other parts of the organization. And so and just sort of breaking down the silos and spending the time bringing people together to interact with each other, speak to each other, ask questions, challenge each other, um, you know, debate things. Um, and, um, you know, basically kind of a case of investing in a lot of sort of planning and communication so that um, you can flag things early. And then obviously the other thing is we use systems, right? So we, you know, we have a very structured process for, um, for um, communicating what's going on and who's doing things. So, um, you know, even if you're doing a lean startup, you have to, you know, there's a certain amount of planning and communication so that has to be done um, mm-hmm. to get to your MVP. And um, so, yeah. And then the other thing that we do is we make sure that people touch our customers. So everybody in the company has to see customers and to get exposure to what the real customer needs are and how things uh, are perceived by customers, what their responses are, what their feedback is, and so on. And so... Just if everybody remembers that we're building it for families, then if you know we're not, if they're not speaking to families, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> so, so for you, having your people touch the customers as well is a big part of how you build up your culture as well to reflect the values that your company values. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, you know, I mean, obviously what we're doing there is to, you know, one of the sort of, one of our strategies in terms of what we're, you know, the way we build things is to, is for people to, you know, have a view of how does this impact the the customer? Like, whatever I'm doing, if I'm, if I'm, if you're writing some code or you're writing a marketing document or you're doing uh, anything in the company, like, well, how does this support serving our customers, right? I mean. You know, some of that isn't direct, obviously. Somebody doing accounting doesn't, you know, necessarily touch like, the customer. But the thing is that the anybody's in the R&D team or the UX design team, uh, uh, obviously sales and marketing and so on, you know, it's um, obviously everything has to be a customer orientation, both in terms of understanding what's working, what's not working, how we're serving needs, what the customer needs, wants, how we're perceived by them, and so on. It's absolutely essential. And that all comes down to really integrating everyone into your company and its vision. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, all these things go together. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give a manager or a director who is trying to manage a lot of change in their company? Well, I mean, I think that it's always sort of, I think that when you're managing change and so on, I think that it's always, um, I mean, first of all, it's important to understand the people in your company and their different needs. So uh, we certainly use uh, some you know, various tools to understand the needs of our, our employees in terms of handling change and so on. So we use uh, a DISC uh, assessment that 
helps us to understand people's work styles and the communication needs and so on. And so based on that, we know who, you know, needs a lot of communication and a lot of information about changes and other people, you know, uh, need less. And so, uh, so we understand, you know, our team members individually and, and as groups. And then, but when it comes down to the communication, what we do is we, uh, we, um, uh, it always comes back to first principles, right? So when something is changing, it's a case of explaining it and rooting the communication of why that's happening in first principles. Why are we doing this? How it ties into our mission, our values, our strategy, and and how it affects our customers and so on. So, you know, and 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 then obviously what we do is we. Um, you know, everybody in the company has the ability to weigh in on what we're doing. So, for example, uh, you know, if we have a uh, we have a scoring system, if somebody really disagrees with a decision, uh, they have essentially what amounts to a yellow card or a red card. And if anybody has a red card, it's kind of like a like the Toyota production system. Uh, you know, anybody can pull the the line or put up a red card, as we call it, and say, "I will not. This this is not something I agree with." And and we're not going to move forward until it's resolved. So I think that when you empower employees to be able to stop anything that's going on in the company, I think that creates a great culture because people are invested in the decisions. They're we ask them and we require that they that they that they provide their feedback and that they and that if they don't agree with something, they find something objectionable or something that they don't think it's going to work, it violates our strategy, our values, if, or customers aren't going to like it or need it, or it's somehow a bad technical decision, then we want people to, we empower people to um, to put up a, a, either a yellow card or a red card, and that means we stop and we figure it out before moving on. So I think that brings quality and that makes people enrolled in the entire process, and I think that that's, uh, that's a key to our success. Mm-hmm. And I really like this red card system because I, um, in our experience, also employees always want to feel like they're needed in the organization. So I think that's a really good idea and good advice to give to our listeners as well. Right. So, I mean, we're, uh, you know, the assets that we have are our people. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, you know, and our, you know, the only way that we can execute is if our people, um, are fully on board, uh, that they agree with what we're doing, that they have the ability to have an impact on it. And, and if we don't, uh, you know, if all the decisions come from on high, then we get worse decisions, right? When the team gets involved and, and everybody's making decisions together, it's not that we don't set out a strategy or direction and so on from, you know, from the leadership team, but in terms of, you know, making, you know, sort of executing that strategy, you know, you know, if we don't use all of our people to, uh, to, uh, uh, you know, uh, bring their insights, knowledge and expertise to, to bear, then, you know, we're never going to be successful. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And for you, you have to do all these things, like you have to integrate the people, you have to empower your employees, communicate, um, touch everyone's needs in the organization. How do you divide and allocate your time and resources? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, we, you know, we do some simple processes where we, you know, as I said, we 
report uh, on a weekly basis to each other as to what we, you know, what uh, we've accomplished in the last week and what our goals are for the next week. We, I mean, we have, so, I mean, you know, we do, you know, sprint planning. So we plan our quarter and then we divide them into two week uh, sprints. And uh, so we, you know, we have, we have very clear goals and plans and, and, very structured and it feels painful to do spend the time to work on that and develop it but the only way that we can get everything done and make sure that we're all aligned is to do that planning and then we do a daily check-in where we are you know talk about our top three you know uh tasks to accomplish for the day and what we accomplished yesterday and then uh figure out what kind of blockers are there so we you know so that i think the planning uh is is uh uh, and communication again are the are the two sort of key mechanisms that help us to figure out and allocate time. So we have a shared calendar uh, that sort of outlines all of the company events and things that have to happen. Um, so everything from you know uh, when our sprint planning meetings are, when we do retrospectives, when we when we um, uh, have our board meetings, when we communicate with our shareholders and with our wider sort of what we call our tribe so all of this is, is scheduled and structured and planned and so you just have to, you have to look at the schedule and you gotta make you gotta and then we also have a schedule as to when our goals have to be accomplished so it's um it's just kind of systems um that sort of support this the strategy and and people both being accountable and holding others accountable for those uh for those deadlines and a lot of our listeners are small company, small to medium-sized companies. And for them, like it's difficult to get everyone on board with these kind of systems when they're newly introduced. So how do you kind of motivate your employees to do daily reporting or um, use these systems very carefully so that you can manage um, the communication very well? Well, I mean, I think it's just, you know, you know, none of these are particularly onerous. It's just kind of a case of just creating a routine and, um, and everybody knows that it's expected of them and, uh, and everybody, this is just how we communicate. So this is just how things work. So it's not a, you know, we have other things in terms of how we document our code, how we document our time, our hours and everything else. And so, you know, um, you know, being part of our organization means, you know, having to do some of this, but then, you know, we also give people the ability to work on their own projects that are related to what we do. So, um, you know, there's, you know, there's the sort of formal structured goal oriented stuff that we do, but we also do things like hackathons. Uh, we let people work on, on, uh, innovative projects and initiatives as well. And so, you know, there's give and take. So, you know, we're, thinking about letting them let their creativity and innovation out and to try some things. And, and, you know, we bring other people in for our, we have internal hackathons and we bring external people in to sort of either judge or participate in those. So, you know, there's, there's a balance between innovation and structure. And then the other thing is we have processes where we are, you know, we want people to, you know, be able to accomplish their own goals in terms of professional and personal development. So, you know, we, you know, we talk to them about what they want to accomplish and so on. So, I mean, it's a whole sort of, you know, I guess, um, uh, you know, we're fairly mature in terms of the way we do things for an early stage company, mostly because we're kind of mid career founders. 
so that you know gives us a lot of experience. We've worked in bigger organizations and run big projects and you know done hundred million dollar projects before. So it's sort of we are we've got a good skill set. But I think that to answer your question in terms of how to get, you know, my advice to founders that have smaller companies, we have teams of two or three. I said, you know, just because you're small, it, there's no way, there's no excuse for not planning. And so, and setting goals and setting timelines and deadlines. And so, you know, things, things don't happen in a vacuum. And so if you don't plan, nothing gets done. Right. So if you don't spend the time to think about where you're going and what you want to do, you know, and so it doesn't have to be a big onerous process, but it's like, where are we going to be in two weeks from now? What do we want to accomplish? And then the other thing is, you know, the other thing is you should measure what you're doing all the way along. Right. So if you, you know, and the most important thing to measure is, you know, what do your customers think of what you're doing? <laughs> and what does the market think? Like, how many people respond to this message? Like, if I, you know, how many people can I get to sign up on a landing page? Like, it's just, and how many experiments are you doing, right? So you should be planning how you are going to develop your company or your value proposition or figure out where a market is and so on. And so all of this requires uh, a little bit of thought and agreement between a co-founder team. Uh, and so, uh, you know, a startup's not a startup. If it's one person, you need you need two, three, four people to to make a startup and to create some velocity. And the only way to make velocity happen is for your group to plan and decide where you're going and what you're going to do, right? And it, to agree or disagree or and debate and figure out what has to be done, but then to make a plan and execute it. So. Right. And it, sound, it sounds like you found the balance between having processes and also creativity and innovation, because something that we do find is that some companies get really bogged down by processes and therefore tamp, like tamper on the innovation aspect. But you really focus on employee development and co- the culture piece and making sure everyone is empowered to reach their own goals as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, you know, I mean, people don't come and work for startups because they want uh, to work nine to five or because they want to do what everybody else is doing. So, you know, they're, um, you know, but um, so um, you've got to, you've got to find a way to encourage people to, uh, you know, to want to sort of contribute in terms of innovation and to figure out ways for them to develop and, and, you know, and develop their, you know, their passion. You know, usually when we have software developers, one of the things we hire for is we love people who love to code, right? So, um, and if people love to code, they love to learn. And so we, you know, so we provide ways for them to develop things. You know, we've, you know, we provide access to uh, knowledge-based stuff so they can, they can read everything they want to read and learn everything they want to learn. And we encourage them to do that. So. That's awesome. Now, what is kind of like, the main challenge that you're still facing in your role right now? Uh, I mean, it's just a typical startup stuff is, you know, there's, we're kind of, you know, we've got so much to do uh, that it's kind of a case of figuring out how to simplify things so that you can do sales, fundraising, R and D operations, everything else you need to do, uh, you know, and get it all done on time. So, you know, it's just a case of, um, you know, it's, it, you know, the challenge of startups is that they, you know, they, there's no end point to the work. Um, and so it's a case of figuring out how to be effective as opposed to, I mean, you gotta, you know, you can't avoid, uh, lots of time spent and hours spent, but it's also a case of figuring out, um, how to be the most effective and how to, how to bring other people in, 
from the outside to help accelerate your progress. So, you know, and these include advisors, investors, partners, channels, and so on. So um, startups don't succeed uh, by having their own little insular thing. You got to reach out to the network and the ecosystem around you and bring, draw that into your mission and enroll other systems, networks, partners, companies, and so on to help you to accelerate. And so, um, we're always thinking about, you know, what are the chess moves and the strategies that we can, that we can, where we can add capacity by bringing stronger, more powerful partners that need what we are doing and that need the, our innovation to uh, deliver results to uh, their user bases, customers, and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the hustle and bringing in the right people. Yeah, <laughs> all those and more. Yeah, yeah for sure. Hustle, hard work. Mm-hmm. And as we're wrapping up, is there a final thought or piece of advice that you'd like to give our listeners about managing people, processes, or a business in general? I mean, I just, I think that there is a, you know, I think that you've got to kind of, um, there's an important balance, I think, between monitoring the external environment, looking for opportunities, threats, competitors, um, and, and so on, all the trends that maybe impacting you and so this is you know a constant uh a constant uh issue so constantly reading about your industry and seeing yourself not as part of the startup industry but as the industry that you're going to serve is important um and uh, and understanding that that market and so there's a balance between looking at what's happening externally and sticking to your vision and not getting distracted and pivoting too soon but i mean so that, that's always a balance but so that's one part of it, my advice. And the second part of advice is just to, to read, right? Like, so successful founders, successful investors, successful people in any walk of life are people who read. And so I recommend that you read about your industry, you read newsletters, blogs, uh, you know, listen to podcasts. Um, and uh, so fortunately, people who are listening to this podcast are, you know, already on that plan. But, uh, and then, you know, read, read uh, books from opinion leaders, read biographies, you know, um, so, um, and read classic business books, whether it's Peter Drucker or, um, you know, uh, or, uh, or, or reading, you know, new stuff like I'm just, you know, my current read is Platform Revolution because we're, we're thinking about what we're doing in terms of being a platform. So, um, so and to end that, read as much as you, you know, read, read eight to 10 hours a week if you can. Right. That's awesome. And it really boils down to keeping yourself informed, um, both with the external environment and also reading about people in your industry and people who have been successful. Right. And the thing is, business isn't new, right? Like the thing is, people have been innovating for, you know, hundreds of years. And so like reading historical reading about great thinkers and inventors and so on uh will uh you'll find surprisingly relevant to you uh you working today in the digital economy right so uh it's um you know you you don't have to just read what's out there now like read about uh great business leaders of the past as well that's wonderful well that is our time up for today um really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation rob okay enjoyed it thanks Chris. awesome have a wonderful day You too. Take care. Bye. And that was Rob Atwell from the Care Team Technologies. Thank you for tuning in to our Strategy and Leadership podcast.
If you enjoy this podcast, please check out the rest of the series on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. See you next time.